Good morning, everybody. Let's worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is our Father. He is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, and our Provider. He turns the things that the enemy means for evil, and he turns them into great things to give himself glory. Not to give you glory, because you're not supposed to take the glory for him. He deserves all the glory and all the praise and the honor. So let's put aside all the things that we had this week and all the troubles and hardships. And let's give him praise. Cause I searched the world But it couldn't fill me A man's empty praise And treasures that fate Are never enough Oh then you came alone and you put me back together And every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Nothing is better than you. Cause I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Lord, you see them all and you still call me friend. Cause the God of the mountains Is the God of the valley And there's not a place Your mercy and grace Won't find me again There's nothing Better than you, Lord There's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Better than you, Lord, there's nothing Nothing is better than you Oh, there's nothing Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing 
better than you, Lord, there's nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, tell him that again this morning. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord, there's nothing. Better than you, Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn morning to dancing. You turn beauty to ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. You turn morning to dancing. You keep beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the turn graves into gardens you turn bones into armies you turn seas into highways you're the only one who can you're the only one who can you're the only one who can oh there's no Better than all oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. When did I start to forget? All of the great things you did When did I throw away faith for the impossible? And how did I start to believe 
You weren't sufficient for me And why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? Oh, let's sing that again. When did I start to forget All of the great things you did When did I throw away faith for the impossible And how did I start to believe You weren't sufficient for me why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? You are more than able You are more than able You are more than able Cause you are more than able Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? my trust in the one who still does miracles. Oh, let's sing it again. You do miracles. And now that's the all that I have. Oh, I've got my confidence back. And I put my trust in the one who still does miracles. You do miracles. You are more than able. You believe it. You are more than able. You are more than able. You are more. deny what the Lord can do you are more than able you are more than able you are more than What the Lord can do
Amen. can do it's gonna happen just let the way make it through it's gonna move it's gonna move can you imagine with all of the faith in the room what the Lord can do it's gonna happen just let the way make it through he's gonna move he's gonna move He's gonna move. Oh, he's gonna move. He's gonna move. He's gonna move. He's gonna move. Oh, he's gonna move. Is he gonna move? And anything is possible. Anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? And anything is possible. And anything is possible. And anything is possible. Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? I've come a long way. I've come a long way. I've seen how you were. There's so much more than grace, much more than I deserve. Cause I know who I am, and I can't stay where I'm at. We've come this far by faith, and I just can't. Turn back, he's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to the story. You're not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to this story. You're not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to this story. You're not done with me yet.
to the story and you're not done with me he's not done with you yet he's not done with you yet there's so much more to the story he's not done with you He's not done with you yet No matter what the enemy says He's not done with you yet There's so much more to the story He's not done with, with you yet He's more than me More than able, God, God is more than able. God is more than able. Oh, let's say that again. God is more than able God is more than able Yes he is Yes he is God is more God is more than able God is more than able Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? To deny what the Lord can do? Cause you are more than able You are more than able You are more than able Somebody in this place needs to hear that this morning. I know of a few people that are going through things, but I think there's some other people too. This song's been on our heart all week long. And I just kept singing it over and as I was singing it, just now God says there's somebody that's in the desert. And everything is crashing around them. Everything is falling down. Nothing's making sense. You're doing the right things. You're not in sin. You're spending time with Him, but everything is crashing down. And God says He's more than able. 
but sometimes you have to get to a place where you see there's no way out so that he can show himself amazing it's awesome to be on the mountaintop but when you're in the desert is when you really see how great God is when you when you're in the valley when everything is falling apart and then when you think you can't go anymore and all of a sudden stuff starts to happen and things start to fall in line and the only explanation is that he is more than able so where you're at when you wake up tomorrow and stuff starts falling apart again you just begin to say he is more than able it's more than able when Satan tries to tell you the lies that he's forgotten about you God is more than able oh you are more than What the Lord can do. Cause through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress and you are my portion and you are my hiding place oh I believe you are the way the truth the life I believe you are the way, the truth, the life, and I believe through every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take. I believe that you are provider, you are protector, you are the one I love, and I believe that you the way, the truth, the life, and I believe the way the truth the life and I believe you are 
the way home. The life, the life, and I believe you. It's a new horizon And I'm set on you And you meet me here today With mercies that are new All my fears and doubts They can all come to Because they can't stay long when I'm here with you, it's a new horizon, and I'm set on you, and you meet me here today, oh, with mercies that are new, oh, all my fears and doubts, they can all come to, because they can't stay low, when I believe you are. The way, the truth, the life, and I believe you are the way, the truth, the life, and I believe you are the way. The truth, the lie, and I believe you are the way, the truth, oh you are the life, and I believe you are. The Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. It's, it's one thing to say you believe. It's another thing to know. I, I, I just think that it goes to another whole level. I know. I know. I remember years ago I heard the story of a famous evangelist. He would preach at night and thousands, literally thousands of people would come to Christ. And he would go back to his hotel room. And the enemy would speak to him and say, they may have been saved tonight, but you're not. And he was tormented with that. It's hard to believe. I heard him tell that story and he said, he said, every night I go to my hotel room and I was tormented. Was I saved? Was I right with God? Did I know I was, I was okay? And then he'd go out and preach the next night and hundreds would come to Christ and he'd go back to that hotel room by himself and, and there was the enemy saying, but you're lost, you're not making it, you're not going to make it. And one night he was in his room and he cried out to God, he said, God, I need to hear from you. And he opened his Bible and his eyes fell upon in 1 John chapter 5. And John writes, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life 
and that you continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He, he said he began hooping and hollering in that hotel room, jumping up and down on the bed. He said, I've written these things that you might know. That you can know, you can know, you can know. He said, devil, did you hear that? And he thought to himself, where's the devil at? Darkest place there is. Where's the darkest place in this room? He said, under my bed. He, he slipped open to 1 John 5. He read that scripture and he slid his Bible under the bed. He said, devil, read that. This argument is settled. He said, from that moment on, there was such an anointing that came on him. People came to the Lord as he preached. But never again was there a doubt. I just feel like the Holy Spirit was wanting to confirm to you. We sang two or three, four, almost every song this morning. I think there was just a Spirit of God-led thing there. He wants you to know. He wants it to be settled, established with you. I mean, that other, that other one that we did, that one thing about More than <laughs> he's able. not done with you yet. Yeah. Oh, man, I... I James, if I could have run, I'd have run. <laughs> I'm telling you, I wanted to run. I wanted to run. But, you know, these artificial knees and hips don't run real well. <laughs> I, but, but I wanted to run because I felt like there's some people here that the enemy has tried to whisper to you, your time's done. Your time's done. Go sit down. Go sit down out of the way. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, Boy, if they don't hear that, they need to hear. He, he's not done with you yet. The season may change. The time may change. The circumstances may change. But God said, I'm not done with you yet. Don't you go sit back on the back row and think that you're retired and that you're out of the picture. What do, you, do you remember just a couple of weeks ago, those of you that were here, I said that Wednesday morning when I was sitting right there, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in prayer that morning gave me one word he said realignment and I spoke it out to those that were here and the Holy Spirit said that I, he said he said God the father's like a chess master he's looking at things 10 12 15 spaces uh, moves down the road and you're watching things from where you're at and you don't understand what's going on but God said I can already see 10 moves down the road and I'm bringing and the word was a realignment He's realigning things. He's a realigning people. He's a realigning circumstances. He's realigning things. He said, because I know what's coming, and I know what my purpose is, and I know what my plan is, and that's where I'm going. So don't you fret, because you don't understand. Because if you ever watch a chess master, I used to be the president of my chess club in high school, and if you ever watch a true chess master, they're like, bing, you know, they hit that timer, bing, they move, bing, 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 bing. And you're thinking, what are they doing? Next thing you know, check me. He's got them. And I want to tell you, God's in control. And he's not done he's with not you done yet. He's not done with you yet. I just, come on, come on, church. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Yet, yet, yet. Come There's on. so much more to this story. Yeah. You're not done with me yet. You're not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. 
so much more to this story. with me yeah. I want you to chase that lie that the enemy has told you he's told you you've made mistakes beyond mistakes and there's no chance that God can use you that God is going to use you that you passed your prime, that you're you're beyond you being used. I want to tell you that is a lie out of the pit of hell. And this is a prophetic word through this song this morning. He's not done with you yet. And you need to make a declaration to the devil and all the cohorts that he has. Devil, I want you to know he's not done with me. He's still working his work in me. He's still working his plan in me. And you're a liar. You're the father of lies. Therefore, everything that you've tried to tell me is just the opposite. God has more in store for me, greater than I can even imagine, because he's not done with me yet. Oh, yeah. Come on, one more time. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to this story. You're not done with me. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. There's so much more to this story. You're not done with me yet. He's not with you yet thank you Lord he's not done with you yet <laughs> there's so much more to the story you're not done with me yet. give the Lord praise this morning come on give him a shout of praise this morning Father, we praise you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for the encouragement, Lord. Thank you for the word. Thank you for your uplifting spirit and presence that's here this morning. Mighty God, mighty God. The Lord, as we pray almost every week, we pray right now, let your kingdom come. And your will and purpose be done in these houses of clay, these houses of earth right now, for the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to turn to three or four people this morning. If you have to get out of your pew, or the rows there, that's fine. And just turn them. God's not done with you yet. Tell them, Amen. God's not done Amen. with you yet. You already know he's not done with you, but you tell somebody else, he's not done with me yet.
Hallelujah. I just tell Pastor Justin, I say, you can do that song every week for me. <laughs> you put it on the top ten, put it, move it up to number one. That, right, man. Oof. I'll bring my running shoes next time, and I'll try. Okay. Amen. <laughs> if I take off, Sam, you go come with me? I'll jump. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, amen. Look, we're just so glad that you're here this morning. Just make yourself at home here at Life Church. And and, uh, if you don't know what life stands for, it stands for life is for everyone. And Jesus said that I've come that you might have life. And not just ordinary life, a life that's an abundant life. And we're just so thankful for what Jesus has done in our lives, is doing in our lives, is doing in our city and our community. And so uh, thank you for coming and honoring us with your time here today. If, uh, there's a number of announcements. I'm not going to go through them all. They were up playing earlier, and they're out there. Uh, if, if you uh, want to be a part of a home group, there's a number of gr- uh, groups out there. They have the time and place where they're meeting. Um, and uh, I think there's a ladies' event coming up, right? Yes. It's Yeah. October 7th, okay, it's out, but the information's out front, right? Okay, there's a lot of information out there, so go ahead, uh, check it out, and um, we'll praise God for that. Just, we want to just tell you that here at Life Church, we don't pass a basket or a bucket or anything like that, but we do believe in the honoring of our tithes to the Lord. That's what the Bible says, that we are stewards or managers of that which God has given us, and we have four different ways that you can do that. Uh, there are boxes on the back wall uh, that you can put an envelope in. There are envelopes at the box or on the backs of the seats. We have an app that you can download that's free, and it's the Tithely app, and it automatically looks for Life Church in Lafayette, or you can, tithe, you can give by text, or you can go to our website, lifechurchla.com. All of our messages are on there, and uh, uh, you can contact us that way also. So anyway, we're glad that you're here. I'm not going to delay it any more than that. I want to get into the message this morning, and I've actually cut it in half. Somebody say amen. (laughs) I I knew you were thinking it, so (laughs) I thought, well, you might as well just say it. Uh, And I'm actually going to do the second half of it next week. And, uh, but we've been doing a series uh, called Looking Back to the Future, and it deals with the fall festivals uh, in the Jewish calendar year, okay? And uh, so we're reading Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. Paul is writing to the believers in Colossia, and he says, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And so this beginning this week is about the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, in Israel, starting at 6 p.m. tonight, is is the uh, Feast of Atonement, which uh, Yom Kippur, which we talked about last week. And uh, the Feast of Tabernacles actually begins five days after this. So it actually begins like on Friday evening. 
but the Apostle Paul, I'm not going to go through all the background things as I've been doing every week because, uh, because of time. But he says that the things of the past, in other words, he's saying these festivals, and the festival's not like what we think of in South Louisiana. We say festival, like if I say rice festival, what does everybody think of? Don't say rice. I know. Come on. I know that's not what you're thinking of. Right. You're thinking of crowds. You're thinking of food. You're thinking of rides. You're thinking of, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? I mean, that, but that's not what it was. We found that the festival in the Old Testament was a sacred time or a holy day uh, that the people were to meet with God and like a holy appointment, a divine appointment that was on his calendar. And so he talks about that. And in fact, he says there to be holy convocations. And, and, and that was like, in other words, God was saying, these are holy appointments that you're to come and meet with me about. And so the, the key thing about the festivals, there's, there are four, uh, or, the, or the feasts, are that there's four in the spring and then three in the fall. But the feasts were simply rehearsals for the real events. And that's what Paul just said. He said, he said, don't let anyone judge you by these past things. And he's talking about new moon celebrations or Sabbath days or f- religious festivals. He said they're a shadow. They were simply a shadow or a kind of look through the uh, telescope, so to speak, across the timeline and, and, and would reveal to you that which is now found in Jesus Christ. Okay, so they were a picture of what was to come. And I've given this example each week, and I'll do it again. Uh, for example, for 1,500 years, the Jewish people killed a Passover lamb in the month of Nisan on the 14th day. Why? Uh, because 1,500 years after the law was given, God was given to Moses the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ, who would take away the sins of the world, would be crucified and killed um, in the month of Nisan on the 14th day. They did this because it was a shadow of that which was actually going to come. Okay, And so in, in the fall feast, there are three of them. There's the Feast of Trumpets, which we talked about, uh, which deals with repentance. Um, and, and all these messages are online. You can go back and watch them or listen to them. Uh, the Day of Atonement deals with redemption. And the Feast of Tabernacles deals with rejoicing. And it's always in that order because re- there must be repentance first. That brings about redemption, and redemption brings about rejoicing. You can't bypass it. You can't move it around, and God has always put things in order because God is a God of order. And so now we come to the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Sukkot, and and this is done five days after the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, which is the most holy day in the Jewish calendar year. And it's, it's always done on the 15th day of the month of Tishri in June. It's the final feast of the seven feasts that are in the Jewish calendar, okay? So here's the setting. Moses, remember, goes up on the mountain, and he meets with God in, on Mount Sinai, and he's up there for 40 days. When Moses comes down off the mountain, what happens? Anybody remember? 
the, the Israelites didn't know what happened to Moses, so they got their gold together and they fashioned for themselves a golden calf, right? And they're worshiping it. And, what is, and Moses, in his anger, slams down the tablets and they're broken. And he, he says, you know, he says, I, I, he said, I'm going back up on the mountain to see if I can get God to forgive you, to make atonement for your horrible, atrocious sin against God. So Moses goes back up on the mountain. He's up there for 40 days. And when he comes down, it is basically the first Yom Kippur. It is the day of atonement because he tells the people, God has chosen to forgive you. We looked at it last week. Remember, he put his own life on the line. He said, God, I know these people deserve being wiped out, but I'm asking you to forgive them. But if you won't forgive them, please let Take my life in place of their life. That's what he did. And, and, and we talked about that a little bit. And I said, I, I don't know anybody that would do that for somebody who deserves, uh, you know, punishment. And not even for, you know, anyway, that's the way it is. And um, so he comes down, he says, God has made atonement, allowed for atonement. He has forgiven your sins. You're not going to die. So for 40 days, Moses is back up on the mountain, and the people down below are wondering if God's about to take them out. I don't know about you, that's a little nerve-wracking, right? So he comes down, and he goes, God has forgiven you, you won't die. I don't think anybody had to say, let's hear it for God, you know? I mean, I bet somebody broke out, you know, clapping and jumping and shouting and hallelujah to God and glory to God and everything else. And so then, but Moses says, so he's forgiven you, but now he's given me the plans for a tabernacle because God wants to dwell among us. He, God goes beyond just forgiving. Now he wants to come and dwell inside of us. And you know, that's a problem with the message today preached so often in churches today. That it's all about, you know, getting forgiveness for sins, but they forgot that it's not about forgiveness of sins just to forgive sin. It, God forgives sin so that he can come and dwell in us. That's the purpose. That's the reason Christ came and died on the cross. He paid the price that we could not pay for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could have relationship with God, okay? And so Moses says, God's given me the pattern, the blueprint for building a tabernacle in the wilderness. And this is the first feast of tabernacles of the Israelites, and it's, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 35, verses 20 through 22. Now, I'm not going to read all that for sake of time, but I want to show you five requirements that God had concerning this feast of tabernacles, okay? And the first one is that this feast was to be celebrated for seven days, the feast itself was to be celebrated for seven days. Leviticus 23 and 41. God says, you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Remember, these are not feasts for us. Like we think of Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, you know. And well, in South Louisiana, any excuse we can think of just to have food and get together and eat, right? But he says, this, this is a feast to the Lord. It's a holy day to God. In other words, it's the time of us turning and respecting God. And he says, it shall be for seven days in the year. 
and it shall be a statute forever in your generations, and you shall celebrate it in the seventh month. So God establishes what time of the year of the calendar it's going to be celebrated. So how many days was it supposed to be? Seven days. And it's interesting that it's found in the seventh month. So it's seven days in the seventh month. And what we'll, what we'll see in the scripture is the first day was considered a sacred assembly. And the eighth day after it was called the closing assembly. And that's another lesson in two weeks as we wrap up this thing and what it means for the future. Because remember, every one of these feasts and everything are a foreshadow of things that are really happening, going to come, all right? Now, what's interesting to me, I'm a numbers kind of guy. Uh, I, I was never good like it in math where it's X over Y equals Z. I'm like, I don't care about that. You know, my, my bottom line is how many dollars do I have in my wallet? You know, or does my is my checking account about to bounce or whatever? I'm a numbers person, and there are things about numbers in the Bible, and I just think the number seven is very significant because it is like it is it is considered the number of completeness or or perfection. Let me just give you a few net things in the natural. You may not realize it, but every song that you hear, wherever you hear it is based on a musical system of seven major notes. Okay? If you pass sunlight through a prism, not prison, prism, okay? It produces seven colors. And there are three primary colors and four secondary colors. In the realm of minerals and geology, geochemistry, there are seven crystal systems. And when it comes to chemistry, that was my favorite class, no. <laughs> Thank goodness for good friends that knew chemistry. They helped me get through chemistry in school. But when it comes to chemistry, the periodic table of known elements appears to have seven different levels of uh, periodicity. Uh, the I don't think it's a coincidence that we see this number seven through nature that God created and also concerning these festivals and, and what God has done. He created the, the world in seven days. I'm, there's just something unique and orderly about what God is doing through all of this. So the Feast of Tabernacles is the last of the seven feasts. It's also known as the Feast of Ingathering. Why? Because it's at the end of the harvest year. The last harvest, which was usually fruit, um, was, had already taken place or had just finished. And this, uh, you may not know this, but the idea that we have of our Thanksgiving in, in November comes directly from the idea of the Feast of Ingathering. The model was a time of thanking God and rejoicing for the bountiful harvest. So it took place over seven days. That's what God required, okay? The second thing is that the Hebrew people were to construct a booth to live in it in the, during the duration of the holiday, okay? 
Leviticus 23, verse 42 to 43. It says, And you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. And then it goes on, it says, That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, traditional Jews who hold to much much of Israel is very secular. They're not religious. But those who are religious and hold to the, the word, uh, uh, the Old Testament law and everything, they begin construction of their Sukkot uh, on, uh, at, on the close of the day of Yom Kippur. So at the end, it begins tonight in Israel at 6 p.m. They're eight hours ahead of us. And so at 6 p.m. the next day, the Jews begin building the Sukkot, which is their individual place, where they will live in booths. And you can go online and see all kinds of different pictures and everything. But there were two, two requirements of the booth. And, and one of them was that it had to be built outside, couldn't build it inside. Like, I want to build my house inside so it's nice weather. No, it doesn't say that. It has to be built outside. And it had to have at least three walls. This is a picture a few years ago when I took my family up to um, Maine. We went down to New Hampshire. There's a place called the Strawberry Bank Museum. And they happened to have this up at the time. And this is like a three-walled um, structure that would be built where they would live, a family would live for seven days of, during the thing. And the roof of the booth had to be covered with anything that grows from the ground. I don't know if you can tell from that picture right there. But there's all kinds of things in there. There's fruit, there's corn, there's all kinds of things that are hanging. And you notice that it's not a solid roof. You're thinking, well, that's not really smart. But as we read in the scripture, that was required. Because it had to be a roof that would provide some shade, uh, but it had to provide space so that when they would lay down at night, they could see through the roof and see the stars, and be reminded of the one who created them. That's what God required of them to do. And here's the other thing. Um, they were required that they could not be permanent. Because I don't know about you, if I owned a piece of land, and I knew that every year I got to build me a booth, I'm building me one that's going to stay up, and next year I don't have to build it again. Come on, right? And, and, and that and that's just makes logic. But God says no. He says they could not be that way. He said because he wanted to remind them that they may have been in the wilderness at the time. And even through journey of life, it's not permanent. It's temporary. And again, they were, had to be able to see the stars so that they could gaze heavenward and be reminded of the goodness of God. And then the third thing is they were to obtain the lulav and the etrog to be used in the temple worship. And I know that's something you probably, most of you have no clue what that is. I didn't until I studied the scripture years ago. But in Leviticus 23 and 40, it says, You shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of the beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, bows of leafy trees, and willows of brook. 
And, and the lulav was uh, simply branches from palm and myrtle and willow trees. They may be bound together or tied together. And the etrog, you can see there, is, is a citrus fruit similar to a lemon. It's, it's kind of uh, what we would probably call a citron fruit. Okay, and it's about the size of a lemon. And then verse 40 again says, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. Rejoice for seven days. Why was it a time of rejoicing? First, they learned that they were forgiven for their, atro their atrocity of sin, worshiping a golden calf. When God had brought them out of the land of Egypt with miracle after miracle after miracle, and here they were worshiping something that they constructed of their own hand, and they were to be rejoicing because God forgave them. Not only forgave them, God said, I'm not going to kill them. And then, and if that wasn't enough, then they get word that not only that, God wants to dwell among us. He wants to tabernacle with us. It is a literal time of celebrating. Whereas many, all the other feasts or festivals were holy days unto God. This is still a holy day. But it was to be celebrated with food and dancing, talking about the goodness of God and his grace. In fact, they were commanded, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. That means no whining, no complaining, no griping. Most churches couldn't do it. Probably couldn't do it for 24 hours near my seven days. I just think that would be so cool. Have a whole week. We're just going to take off, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to worship God, and we're going to love God, and we're going to testify, and we're going to rejoice. And some of you are looking at me like, that's not going to happen, is it, Pastor? Well, I'm open to it if you're open to it. I mean, that's what God, that's what God required of the people of that day. Here's the fourth thing that God required, that there were to be sacrifices offered in the temple each day of the feast or the tabernacle there. In the book of Numbers, chapter 29 in the Bible, verse 12 through 35, I'm not going to read those verses, that would take a long time, but it lists the various animals that were to be offered, and the numbers that were to be offered were different every day, every single day. So remember, we've got a seven-day feast within the seventh month. And if you go read Numbers 29, all the different sacrifices God required on the first day, certain animals, a certain number, on the second day, certain animals, a certain number. When you add them all up over the seven-day feast, there were 182 sacrifices offered during that week. That's a lot. I don't know about you, but that's a lot. Okay? But here's something that's unique is it that the number 182 divides by seven exactly 26 times. There's that number seven again. God does everything in perfect order. I don't think it's a coincidence 
that it's a seven-day holiday that takes place in the seventh month of the year that has the number seven imprinted on the sacrifices that are being offered up to God. And on the fifth thing, the fifth requirement, and, and that is that the eighth day was to be set apart as a Sabbath and holy assembly. So you had seven days of celebrating, rejoicing, but interesting, God says the feast would be seven days, but the eighth day, there was something else. And Leviticus 23 and 39, it says, also on the 15th day of the seventh month. So we're still in the seventh month, seventh month, begins on the seventh, goes to the 14th. He said, on the 15th day, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. And that's a separate teaching in itself that we'll talk about in two weeks. Because remember, everything I said was prophetic. The Feast of Trumpets deals with the rapture of the church. The, atonement of, the Feast of Atonement deals with the end of the tribulation period and the second coming of Christ to redeem his people. And the Feast of Tabernacles deals with when Christ comes back in his second coming and establishes his kingdom here on earth. But at the end of that thousand-year period, there's something that takes place in Bible prophecy and that ushers in the eternal perfect state that God has, and it deals with this eighth day that God says there shall be a Sabbath rest. And I'll just give you a hint, because the Bible says in Revelation, when that day comes, there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more pain, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be none of the things that we've experienced in life. He said, but on that day, there will be a Sabbath rest. In other words, when God reestablishes that which he intended from the beginning, we will have our final rest. No more adversity. No more temptation. No more any of those things. So God says the first day is to be a Sabbath rest, but the eighth day, the day after, is to be a rest. So what can we learn from these feasts? Here it is. Here's the, here it is in a summary in a nutshell, right? That God's ultimate plan has been to dwell among his people. When he created Adam and, 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 and then created Eve, his desire was to dwell with them. The Bible says Adam would walk with God in the cool of the evening in the garden. It was God's desire to do that. But sin separated Adam from God. It separated the human race from God. So God put in a, his plan into action that he had established before time was to reconcile his creation, you and I, back to God because he desires to dwell among us. In Deuteronomy 16 and 16 and Exodus 23, 15 through 17, the Bible tells us that there are three times a year that a Jewish male is required, was, is required to go to the city of Jerusalem. And that was Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Those three things just on the surface. Why did God require every Jewish male that had made his bar mitzvah, who had become a man in the eyes of, of, of Judaism, why did he require him to go to the city? It was a picture or a shadow of the fact that God desires that we come into his presence because he desires to be in our presence. He desires to dwell with us. It's his invitation to come and meet with him. So God shows us his desire to tabernacle among us. Again, Adam and Eve, God walked with, God walked with them in the cool of the evening. God's saving of Noah and his family. Why? Why didn't God just wipe everybody out? Because he desires to dwell with his creation. Moses meeting with God on the mountain. Moses and Aaron. And the Bible says that 72 elders went up on the mountain with them. And they, they ate and drank and, and conversed with God face to face. In Exodus 24. I think the greatest example of God saying that he wants to dwell among us is found in the dedication of Solomon's temple after it was built. And it's found in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. And I want to read these verses. I'm going to put them up there so you can see it. It says, So all the work that Solomon had done for the house of the Lord was now finished. And it says, Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads and the tribes and the chief fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord up from the city of David, which is in Zion. Let me stop for a second. Why was this necessary? If you remember when David became king, what was the first thing he, was, he went looking for? He went looking for the ark of the covenant. And, and we could go through that. That's a long story. But eventually he brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And the Bible speaks of David's temple, David's tabernacle. Because there, there was no curtain that separated. There was no inner and outer court. But it was the Ark of the Covenant where the glory of God was. And the worshipers became the curtain. The worshipers became the ones who stood there worshiping God 24-7. So David was not allowed to build this temple. He gathered the materials, but God said, you can't build it. Your son will build it. So Solomon builds it, and he gets it done. It's glorious. It's beautiful. I could give you pictures of it, uh, of what it looked like. And, 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 but he says, There's a building without the presence of God is an empty building. Did you hear what I said? A building without the presence of God is just an empty building. I don't care how ornate it is, how beautiful it is, it doesn't matter. And so he goes and says, bring the ark out of the city of David and bring it up here. And then we skip to verse 13 and it says, and indeed it came to pass when the trumpeters and, were, and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Man, I could stop on that and make a whole message out of it. Can I tell you what the people who are on worship teams and worship, God is not interested in, in the perfect perfection. That doesn't mean we should be lazy and just, you know, throw things together. But 
He's more interested in the people being united with, with one purpose and one passion of worshiping God, worshiping God. I, I had a man one time, I, I remember I was in a church in North Louisiana, and they had a place on the platform for the pastor to, to sit during worship. And, and they had like one big throne and like four small thrones. And I felt like, you know, the Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and whatever. And I was the only one. Now, there was a choir behind me. But during worship, I'd hated being up there. And, and I, I remember I went to my head deacon. We played racquetball like four times a week and golf once a week on Saturdays. And I told him, I said, Doyle, I said, I'm just going to tell you tomorrow I'm not going to be on the platform. He said, where are you going? I said, nowhere. I'm going down on the front row. I said, because well, I just want to worship God. I just want to be a worshiper. I don't want people looking at me. They don't need to see me. I just want to go down there and worship. I, 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 I'm nobody, man. I'm just a worshiper, just like everybody else. And I'll never forget, he told me, he said, Pastor, I wish you wouldn't. I said, why? He said, because most of these people have no idea what genuine worship is. He said, and if you stay up there, maybe they'll get an idea of what it's like. And I said, but, but I hate it. I really hate it being up there. He said, just close your eyes and worship God. And I said, okay. And, and I just believe that worshipers and worship teams, they may not be the most perfect or most professional, but it says here, when they came to pass, that the trumpeters and the singers, in other words, the musicians and the singers were as one making one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. I think that is the goal. That is the goal. And it says, And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Do you see how incredible this is? This, of all the things in Scripture, just proves that God desires to dwell among his people. Amen. It's the reason the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of his people. We're not praising, we're not worshiping, we're not singing just for the sake of killing some time. God lives and dwells in the midst of our worship and our praises. And it says that the priests who were in the temple to do what they were supposed to do got pushed out by the glory of God. The cloud filled. See, the, the cloud wasn't just a vapor or a mist. It was the very presence and essence of God himself. The kabod, the glory, the weightiness of God. It says, and it pushed them. They could not continue ministering because the glory of God filled the house. And do you know what day that was that this took place? On the Feast of Tabernacles that the presence of God came and filled the house. How do we know this? How do we know? Because 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 8 through 10 says this, And at that time, Solomon kept the feast seven days, and all of Israel with him. And verse 9 says, And on the eighth day, 
they held a sacred assembly for they observed the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on verse 10 it says, and on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for the good of the Lord had done for David, for Solomon and for all his people. See, the Feast of Tabernacles began on the 15th of the month. It's seven days, and then there's the eighth day. And we find out right here that he sent the people away on the 23rd day of the month. The Feast of Tabernacles shows God's ultimate desire is to dwell among his creation, among his people. And it is still that way in 2023 by our calendar. 5784 by the Jewish calendar. It's the reason that Jesus came to make a way that we might be reconciled to God. Because the Bible says our sins separate us from God. So he dies on the cross. He's buried in the tomb. On the third day, he's raised up from the dead. And I read an article this week. Somebody said, why didn't Jesus just stay here? He could have started his church while he was just here. But there was an interesting article. had a number of very good theological points. But the main one, if you remember, Jesus said, I have to go away so that the comforter the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he can come. Why? Because if Jesus was on earth, he had a physical form. And so Jesus may have been a thousand miles someplace else, and everybody's going, how, do, how can I believe in him when he's over there? But instead, he's gone back to heaven, and Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, which is a feast day in the spring the feast of the first fruits and the Holy Spirit's poured out so that every believer can have the indwelling of the Spirit inside of them as a witness that God desires to dwell with them. Do you see the hand of God in all of this? It's, it's, it's like a beautiful piece of artwork that's been put together to reveal the heart of God. So Jesus leaves and the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within each of us. And what does he come to do? He says he comes to convict the world of sin and teach us about all things concerning Christ. That is God's desire to dwell among us to cast our sin aside, wash it white as snow, and have a fresh beginning with Christ. He desires a relationship with you. He's not interested in church membership. He's not interested in you going somewhere once a week or whatever. That's fine to attend service or attend church and have fellowship, but he desires to dwell with us right here. Every single day. Every single day. 
and the Feast of Tabernacles that the Jews will begin to celebrate beginning this Friday evening, their time, is a reminder of that. Because you're sitting there going, I'm not Jewish. What's that got to do with me? It's telling me what God's heart is. He wants to live with you. And I want us to pray right now. I want you for a moment just to sit there. Forget about the person that's sitting around you. And ask yourself this question. Is Christ alive in you and you alive in him? Have you surrendered your life? Have, have you had him forgive and wash away your sins that you could have a relationship? That's the key. God wants a relationship. He's not wanting a duty-bound servant. He wants to have a living relationship with you. And if you're there today and you're saying, I don't have that relationship, but I want a relationship with the living God. I want to know. I want, you, I want to be able to sing like y'all sang at the beginning. God's not done with me yet. He's got more to write to my story. I want to be able to know him personally. I want to be known by him. He knows you already, but he's waiting for you to enter into that relationship with him. The Bible says you must believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He was crucified on a cross. He was buried in a tomb for three days. He was raised from the dead. He has ascended to heaven. And then he's coming back again soon in flesh. But not as the savior of the world, but as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the judge of the whole earth, the Bible says. You must believe that in your heart and confess it with your mouth. And then surrender everything to him. And if that's where you're at and you're ready to do that then i'm going to pray a very simple word simple prayer with you and i want you to pray it with me but it's got to come from your heart this is not a get out of jail free card this is not a get out of hell free card this means i'm going after jesus today i'm going to follow him from this day forward if that's where you're at and you're ready to know him, would you pray with me? Dear God in heaven, I come to you this day and I recognize that I am a sinner. I fall short of the standards that you require. My sin has separated me from your presence. Dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. From this day forward, I surrender all and I choose to follow you.
whatever you have, wherever you lead, I will go. I want you more than anything else. In your name, I pray. Amen. And the Bible says in that moment that a person prays and believes, in that moment of, of repentance, of turning their life in a new direction to go after Christ, the Bible says that their sins are blotted out. They're gone. They're washed away. They do not remain. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. We talked about it last week. And that means you are forgiven and you will not suffer eternal death. For the atonement on the cross was enough. And Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. And he wrote it in his own blood can't be taken out my friends can't be undone thank you Jesus praise God praise God let's just praise God for a moment let's just thank him right now you've been sitting for a while if you'd like to stand why don't you stand for a moment and look the Bible says that they praise God for seven days no whining no complaining I bet there's some of you need to repent from complaining this morning God put breath in your lungs. God opened your eyes. God gave you life today. He's given you opportunities. He's, 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 pre, he, there's, he's got things planned out for you today that you don't even know about. But I can tell you they're good things because God says he's got good things in store for you. He is, he is working all things together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. And as we sang it this morning, he's not done with you yet because he has a purpose for your life in Jesus Christ. So Father, we just praise you and we thank you for that. We give you thanks and we give you glory and we praise you today, tonight, tomorrow, and every moment that we have breath, God. Let us be reminded of your goodness and how you provided atonement for our sins and that God you desire to dwell with us. For we read it in the very end of the book in Revelation when it says the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and is established on the earth and God that you dwell among your people. That is your ultimate desire and we praise you for that and we give you the glory in Jesus name. Amen. 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 You got something my brother? <laughs> the way the truth you are the light and I believe you are the way, the truth, oh, you are the light, and I believe you are the way, 
the truth, oh, the life. I want a few men to come over here. We're going to anoint Brother James for healing of his body. Amen. Amen. Oh, and I believe. Take your breath away so you can't run. <laughs> We're praying right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. God, your word says, if any be sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Let him anoint with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. And that God, if there be any sin, it be forgiven. And the prayer of faith shall raise the sick. Father, we come against all infirmity in his body, all sickness, all disease. Every abnormality be gone now. And we speak healing and health over him right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Is there anyone else you need a touch in your body? Brother Glenn? I want to stand in for Glenn Broussard. He had a mini stroke. Okay. Our friend, Brother Glenn Broussard. Glenn Matthews is going to stand in proxy for him. He had a mini stroke. Come on. Come on. Come on. Father, in Jesus' name, we just pray for Brother Glenn. As he stands in proxy for Brother Bruce, Glenn Broussard. Father, healing for his body, every part of his body to begin to function as it should. Total healing and health restored in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who else? Okay. We got a couple more. Hang on. I'm not in a hurry. For hmm? Father, in the name of Jesus, I come against this spirit of depression and oppression upon mm. his life and upon his in mind. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I command you, foul spirit, to loose him. Let his mind be made clear. His thinking process function normally. Light break through the darkness right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray any chemical imbalance in his body be made right. Total healing. But I plead the blood of Christ over his mind. All inner turmoil be gone. All confusion be gone. All darkness be gone right now in Jesus' name. Let the peace of God that passes understanding govern his thinking and his heart. His emotions be brought into alignment, Lord. Let the Word of God come alive in him. And let it be a light unto his path. In Jesus' name. Father, in Jesus' name, we anoint with oil. Pray for healing right now. The doctors may be confounded by what they see, but God, 
you know. I said, God, you know. So we're in obedience to your word, Father. Now, God, we've done what your word says. We've anointed with oil, and in the name of Jesus, we speak healing and health over her. Now, Father, right now, let it float from the top of her head all the way to down through her sinus cavity, down into her shoulders, her chest, down all the way to the soles of her feet, Father. In Jesus' name right now. In Jesus' name right now. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my brother right now. You come against the, the confusion that life brings and that the enemy tries to bring and jumbling up things in our mind. Father, I, I pray for clarity of thinking right now. Let the darkness and the clouding of his thinking be gone in Jesus' name and let it become clear. And I come against oppression. I come against a spirit of oppression that would try to rob him of clarity, of direction. Father, your spirit has been given to lead and guide and direct in all things concerning Christ. Therefore, anything that is not of you, we come against right now. And Father, we speak clarity of mind, clarity of direction, clarity and the peace of God to rule or govern his heart about decisions. Decisions will not be fearful. There will be peace. Because there's no peace in the valley of indecision. In the name of Jesus, we pray. He asked, we pray, we agree, and we said, amen. So be it. Let it be established in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, standing in proxy for your friend who's been diagnosed with cancer on this past Friday. Father, you, Paul sent out handkerchiefs that were anointed and sent them out and demons were cast out and his sickness and healing took place, Lord God. Sickness was gone and healing took place. And so, Father, I believe that a person can stand here, Lord, in the place of their friend calling on you, God. There's no distance in how you can answer prayers. We've seen that so many times before. A father came to you and said, my, my servant is sick. And Jesus, you spoke to him and said, go, your servant is now made well by the faith of that man who came instead for his servant. So, Father, this is biblical. We do this now in Jesus' name. We curse the cancer, every cancerous cell. Father, let healing begin to take place. Let healthy cells begin to manipulate and just multiply and grow in the name of Jesus. And we pray the spirit of fear be gone. The spirit of fear be gone. 
the spirit of fear be gone. Let the spirit of peace rest upon all those that are touched by this situation in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, and I believe that you are my fortress, and you are my portion. And you are my hiding place And I believe you are the way The truth The life And I believe you are the way The truth Thank you, Lord the life and I believe through every blessing through every promise through every breath I take and I believe that you are provider and you are protector and you are the one I love and I believe you are the way, the truth, you are the life. And I believe you are the way, the truth, thank you, Lord, the life. And I believe. You are. Father, I just bless each and every one that's in this place. I speak a word of blessing over them. I pray that when they walk out of this place, that God, that they be encouraged, they be uplifted, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. Father, I pray that the favor of the Lord would rest upon each and every one as they leave this place and those that they come in contact with. God, that that favor would be extended towards them for the purposes of the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you are the source. We know you are. You're the source of our sustenance. You're the source of blessing. You're the source of life itself. For in you, we live and move and have our being. So we thank you and we praise you as we leave this place. We're sent to the mission field for your kingdom purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah.